Welcome to the System Hub Podcast. Hola. Konnichiwa. Guten Tag. Where we interview world-class experts. You have to have a lot of passion for what you're doing. I was fanatical in my 20s. If you could find a way to produce a business that works without you, your life would change like that. Extracting, organizing, and optimizing their best systems and processes for rapid business growth. Now, let's get into the show. Hey, welcome to the Business Systems Summit. It's David Jennings here, and I'm extremely excited for this session. I've got a good friend of mine, James Tuckerman, who's one of Australia's most accomplished digital publishers. And he's a little bit of a, an entrepreneurial legend with angel investing and consulting, coaching, and public speaking all under his belt. He's probably most well known for launching Anthill Magazine back in 2003 in his parents' spare bedroom when he was 26. Now, within six months, anthillonline.com uh, was listed by Nielsen Online Ratings as one of the top 50 businesses and business and finance websites in Australia. So yeah, he's, he's got uh, some amazing early wins and since then he's gone on to launch uh, lots of digital ventures and helps other companies, both large and small, improve their online commercial outcomes. So he's, yeah, I, I think, I'm trying to think of who introduced us. It might have been Pete Williams who first got us introduced. And I think as I've watched James's stuff, even though I'm kind of known for the systems side of things, James has been doing this idea of systems and processes for as long as I know him. And he's, he calls them recipes. So firstly, just wanted to welcome James to the call. Thanks for joining us. G'day, David. It was Pete Williams, I think, who introduced us. We wrote a story about in our magazine and we called him a glorious glory hound or something like that. But I don't think he quite knew how to took it, but he's a good guy, so he took it well, which was what we intended. I might have to... Uh, well, I was going to say, I might have to, uh, yes, reactivate that as a nickname for him. The glorious <laughs> so, glory hand. <laughs> so, um, and this particular session, I'm quite excited for. Initially, I wrote it up as a, a three-step automated lead generation process from creating a lead magnet to driving traffic to selling with a webinar. But as we were having a little bit of a chat just before I hit the record button, you said, wait, I think this is going to be seven steps and ask me why. <laughs> so seven. I will handball over to you. And if it's all right with you, I'll just chime in here and there. I've got some specific questions. Yeah, sure. You asked me a little bit earlier, said, why do you think that this process is important? And one of the main reasons is that anyone that goes out there in this sales and marketing space, and you've probably been guilty of this yourself, you see people go out all the time focusing on trying to win a client or win a customer to close the deal, to secure the deal. And marketing and sales, whether it's online or in person, is always going to be a seduction. And I watch these people trying to marry a stranger on the first date. They're on the first date. They've barely got through the entree. The main hasn't even been served. And then they say, will you marry me? And <laughs> if you imagine this happening in the real world, you know, not in, in the context of customer and client acquisition, in the real world, if you ask someone to marry you on the first date, they would run a thousand miles. They would run away. But people do this online all the time, whether it's their website that's basically saying, marry me, or whether they're, you know, sending unsolicited messages on LinkedIn, which I'm, which I'm just seeing like all the time now, people sending me these messages saying, marry me. And I'm thinking, I don't even know you. You haven't even asked to meet my papa yet. I don't know, my parents <laughs> yet, you know, you haven't courted me at all. You haven't even bought me a drink. So yeah, so over time, we developed this, uh, 
this process for taking a stranger into a taking someone from a stranger to a suspect to a prospect to a customer and doing it in a systematic automated way and um the other reason why why it's it's seven and so david had said you know we'll talk about three and i went ah oh, i'd like to talk about seven and he said why is that and the reason why is because the psychologists have known this for quite some time now but it takes at least seven meaningful interactions before another fellow human being is going to trust you. At least it trusts you enough to buy your product or engage you as a consultant or, or work with you in some deeper and more meaningful way. So that's what the psychologists have known for quite some time. Then Google decided to do a report called the, uh, the ZMOT report, or the zero moment of truth or the ZMOT report if you're, if you're Australian, Z- zero moment of truth and they wanted to analyze how many times someone must needed to visit your website before they were going to engage with you in any meaningful way whether that's using the contact us form or booking an appointment or downloading something substantial or buying a buying a product or something like that and they ran this report and they analyzed the gazillion data points that they have access to and they found out that on average it takes 14 site visits before someone's going to engage with you in a, meaning, in a meaningful way, meaningful commercial way. Now, that's the average. So it could be four, but it could also be 40. And that's a lot of touch points. And there's a lot of people that still run businesses applying this modus operandi where they're, you know, they're picking up the phone, taking people out to have a coffee in coffee shops. They're hustling at networking events. And if it's going to take seven to 14 points of contact, that's going to drive someone bonkers fairly quickly. In fact, there's just not enough hours in the day to do that. I also heard a statistic the other day that in 2008, it was, it would take three phone calls to reach the decision maker. Now it takes eight phone calls just to reach the decision maker, not even like engage in a meaningful way and convert that person into a customer or a client. So if it's going to take seven to 14 touch points and it's almost impossible to get someone on the phone, you've got to create systems to do this. Systems, and I'm sure David's used this uh, saying before, I say it all the time, systems equal sanity. Systems equal sanity. Systems equal freedom. Systems are wonderful, wonderful things. If you don't have systems in business, well, you probably don't have a sustainable business, which is why I was so thrilled when uh, David said that he was doing this. I was like, yeah, this is something that the world needs. So I thought I'd throw up onto the screen and I'm a bit of a reformed technophobe, a bit of a reformed Luddite. You can even see, I haven't even changed my headphones in um, about 10 years. I probably need some more headphones. But um, I'm going to try and press a button here and see if I can (laughs) bring up. So here it works. So it's working. Yay, woohoo. And what you see on the screen is... uh, is a, is, a, is a big picture strategy. And it, it looks like more than seven steps, but I'm going to break it down into seven simple steps. Now, this top bit here is where most people spend the lion's share of their marketing activity, whether it's digital marketing activity or other forms. And that is their, you know, they spend all this time and effort trying to get their, um, their website working and they've probably got some crusty <laughs> email newsletter that someone told them to, to put them together you know, five, 10 years ago, email newsletters in the, I don't know, the traditional sense don't really work anymore. 
people don't really wake up in the morning thinking, you know what, I think I need to subscribe to another email newsletter. Woo! I don't think that way. But they are interested in receiving semi-frequent items of information that are going to help them, instructional, educational resources. So most people focus on their website or their email newsletter. Maybe they spend a bit of cash on advertising, and that could be from billboards to, um, to Facebook ads. They spend a lot of time at networking events and in coffee shops, uh, pressing the flesh. And then, of course, social media is obviously an area where people spend a lot of time these days. And that is where most people spend the lion's share of their time. And it's my not-so-humble opinion that unless you have some sort of structure, some sort of system underpinning all this stuff at the top, all this stuff amounts to naught. I know tons of people spending lots and lots of time networking or, or I don't know what you'd call it, building engagement, fostering connections on social media. But you know what? If you want to monetize social media, if you want to use social media as a business tool, number one lesson that trumps all the other lessons is get them off social media. You know, build the fans, build the followers, get the engagement, but then get them off social media, get them into your onto your website, into your database, into your meeting rooms, into your store, whatever it's going to be, just get them off social media. And to do that, you're probably going to need some sort of system. Now, my system is an amalgamation of plenty of other systems, and a lot of it is going to be familiar to you. In fact, a lot of it's not going to be rocket science. Usually the devil is in the details, so we'll try and drill down into this, this sort of stuff. But the first way, if you want to get someone off social media or uh, I don't know if you are running an ad, whether it's a Facebook ad or it's a billboard, or even if it's your website, the number one focus of your website should be to collect the lead because leads always happen. Leads always come before sales. You know, people often just don't walk up and say, can I buy something from you? It's, it's, it's pretty unusual unless you're in retail or unless you have a sandwich board outside your shop on a, on a busy thoroughfare. Leads come before sales. So in terms of a system, that's another little helpful mantra, leads before sales. If you focus your marketing efforts on gathering a lead rather than making a sale, you're going to be well ahead of the next guy because we all know that sales is a numbers game. So you're going to be well ahead of the next guy or girl. If you need to bring on 10 clients every month and you only have 10 potential clients on the hook, it's never going to happen because two are going to go on holiday and one's going to change jobs and whatever, even if they're super hot. But if you have 100 prospects on the hook, the chances of converting those 10 are going to improve. And if you have 1,000, well, you only need a 1% conversion to achieve that 10. So leads come before sales. And the simplest way to gather a lead is not to ask a stranger to marry you on the first date, is to offer them a gift of high perceived value. Now, you've heard people talk about this before. You've heard people use the expression lead magnet, which is, I love the term lead magnet because it quite literally means a magnet for leads. And as I said, as I often, I don't know if I said that before because we cut it out. Did I say that I was a reformed Luddite? Yes, yeah, you did. All right, okay. So I'm going to click for you. I'm going to click three times and get back into it so you know where the screw up is, yeah? Yep. All right. So as I said before, I'm a bit of a reformed Luddite, a bit of a technophobe. And in the early days of this stuff, 
I didn't use any of the jargon <laughs> because I didn't know any of the jargon. But lead magnet makes sense to me. It's a magnet for lead. You could call it an opt-in gift. You could call it an ethical bribe. But lead magnet sounds good, good to me. Now, if we're talking about systems, the best, highest performing opt-in gifts, the best, highest performing opt-in gifts or lead magnets do one thing. They tackle the headache of your target audience before they know they need you. So that's probably worthwhile writing down again as another, as another, I don't know, little mantra slash system. The best ones tackle the headache that they have before they know they need you. So if you know your target audience and you think about what it is that they're lying in bed at night worrying about, that's usually what your opt-in gift should be about. Because if that opt-in gift is about you and what you do, it's not an opt-in gift, it's a brochure. It's not being helpful at all. I always like to make sure that my opt-in gifts are structured around a how-to headline, how to go from A to B. So how to go from headache state to happy state. And the reason why I do that is if I don't, if I can't come up with a headline that's got a how-to and an A state and a B state, it usually ends up being an opinion. And opinions are not particularly valuable to your target audience. Opinions are, are a little bit worthless. Opinions have the longevity of a common house fly, right? Whereas instruction, instruction is priceless. I had this wonderful experience where I got to interview Bill Gates of Microsoft in the morning and James Dyson of Dyson Vacuum Cleaner fame in the afternoon. One of those surreal moments in a person's life, right? And I interviewed Bill Gates in the morning and he shared with me a whole lot of opinions. In the afternoon, I interviewed James Dyson and he said, who is your target audience? I told him and he said, well, let's come up with some rules, some systems, some structure, and we can educate these people. And I said, great. Now, when was that? That was in the year 2009. So it was a long time ago. Now, I cannot for the life of me even find that Bill Gates interview. I can't find it. About the only proof that I've got that it's happened is the emails between me and his publicist. But the James Dyson interview keeps getting read and shared again and again and again because it tackles a how-to state. Instruction is priceless. Opinions are worthless. So a great opt-in gift begins with the words how-to and it talks about their A state and their B state and it takes them from A to B. And once again, it tackles the headache that they have before they know they need you. Now, after someone opts in for my little gift here, which I would present on a landing page or as a popover on my website, after someone opts in, you can imagine, you know, you offer a gift on social media. Hey, check out this thing that I've got. It points to a landing page and someone opts in. I wouldn't point them to your homepage or your blog from social media or anywhere else. And the reason why is um, the best websites in the world convert at about 2%, whereas the worst landing pages convert at about 10%. So there's good reason to be using landing pages as opposed to your homepage. And our, our worst landing pages convert at about 30%. Because if you've got the headache right, and you've got your how-to with your A state and the B state, and you understand your target audience, that landing page could, should convert at 30%. And above, one of my students has a landing page that's converting at 78% because he understands his target audience and he's got a gift that they absolutely, they love it, you know, that they need it. 
It's, it, it triggers an impulse reaction. They go, I have that headache, and they take action. So after someone opts in from a landing page or a popover on a website, I often like to redirect them to something called a checklist. Now, a checklist is almost, it, it's just another fancy word for a survey. But a survey is a bad word. <laughs> How can I say this? No one wants to complete a survey. The only people who complete surveys are the people who want to win prizes or maybe your family and friends who think that, they are trying to, that they think that they're being helpful when they complete your survey. But a checklist or a quiz or a diagnostic or a test that's customer-centric, now that's awesome. And how do you make something like this customer-centric? Well, there's one simple rule, and that is, uh, once again, understand the headaches of your target audience. And, you know, like a nice simple template, a structure, a system. We have about five different templates that we use for the headlines for uh, a checklist. But I think my favorite is, do you have what it takes to, insert your outcome here, take the test or complete the checklist? So do you have what it takes to run the Boston Marathon, complete the checklist? And this can be, this doesn't have to be B2C. It can also be B2B as well too. One of the more successful checklists that any of my students put together was, do you qualify for the federal government's mining reforestation rebate? <laughs> Which sounds really boring, but for the target audience, it was, it was a hummer. I've also got uh, another one of my clients did one, which is, do you qualify for an R&D grant? I've got quite a popular one myself, which is, uh, how influential are you? Take the checklist. Are you a maven, a connector, or a salesperson? So it's got to be customer-centric and tackle some of their headaches. Of course, you want to tie it back to what it is that you do. So um, I don't know. I'm thinking, David, you know, with the topic of the summit, it would be something like five systems killers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> do you have what it takes to go on holiday three times a year? And, and, you know, I don't know. You know, I'm spitballing here. But if the target audience is a small business owner, I don't know about you, David, but as a small business owner, one of my goals was to go on three holidays per year. At the moment, I get to go on two. I'm on my way to going on three. And that largely comes down to systems, systems and processes. So yeah, that's, in- uh, that kind of drills in. We'd been talking, I think, last time we met and trying to find that, that sweet spot that connects because it's not like the idea of systems really gets someone excited. <laughs> Some people it connects really well with and they get it because they've had a taste. But really, it's about, it is, it's the freedom. It's the ability to step back from the business, to go on the holidays, to scale. Um, so mm. that, they're, they're the points we need to start talking in terms of systems to grab people's attention. So if, the, if we were talking about an opt-in gift and we're talking about the headaches that people have before they know they need you, it usually would come down to, I don't have enough time, I'm not going on holidays. These are the sorts of headaches that people have. Or maybe they want to sell their business, but no one's interested in their business because it's entirely dependent on the owner. There's all sorts of, all sorts of different reasons why people are lying in bed at night stressing out. And if you know that the headache that they have before they know they need you, that's how you grab attention. And it could be something like gaining an extra four to eight hours per week. It could be trying to sell, sell the business. It could even be trying to find happiness in your personal life, in your marriage, you know. As we all know of small business owners have struggled with um, relationships because they become all-consuming. Or as uh, one of my mentors once said, don't let your kids become heads on pillows. 
Because so many yeah. people get home so late that all they ever get to see of their kid is, kid is a head on a pillow. Yeah. Yeah. So, that, so that's step one is, is getting very clear, obviously, on the target audience, what problem they have, and then creating a very attractive gift. And then I noticed that the chart there, does the checklist mainly kick into place if you're driving from social media? Like, do you have different steps based on traffic source? No. No, straight after the opt-in, it usually says, great, your report is on the way while you're here and then yeah. it goes straight in and it goes straight into the checklist and gotcha. the wonderful thing about a checklist is that you know what you know like a survey is a powerful way to gather data so you know straight off the bat you're just gathering data like one of my my businesses is something called the five minute business plan it's called the five minute business plan it's one of the most um it is the leading business plan app in the Android shop and the um, iOS in the Apple shop, if you type in business plans, it comes up one all the time. It generates 150 leads every day. But all that really is is a fancy checklist. And all day, every day, it's just generating leads for me. And these leads are telling me everything. They're telling me whether they have a website or whether they have a trademark or whether they're just starting out or whether they've been in business for a whole bunch of years. So, you know, a checklist is a super powerful thing because... One, you're gathering a whole lot of extra data. Two, it's a deeper form of engagement because what you're doing here is you're positioning yourself as the authority. And you're doing that by exacerbating that the, the problem that they have. Even if it's something as simple as do you have what it takes to run the Boston Marathon, it's highlighting the weaknesses that they have as they go through the checklist. So by the time they're finishing it, they're aware of the different things that the areas that, that they need some help with. And then it's your job to be able to step up and go, well, you know what, I can help. Which is why this third page pops up after the checklist and it's called the ultimate online transaction. And it's the ultimate online transaction because not all deals end online, right? Some deals, the ultimate online transaction is someone, the, it's the ultimate final step. It's online and it's a transaction so it can be measured. But like if you ran a coffee shop, you can't sell a cafe soy latte with a trickle of mocha over the interwebs. <laughs> but you can, the ultimate online transaction is someone downloads a coupon. And if someone yep. downloads a coupon, you can measure the number of downloads, the number of people who redeem the coupon. You can work out what marketing is working, what parts of your marketing is working and what's not. E-commerce is a really clear one. Someone just pulls out their credit card, ultimate online transaction happens, can be measured. But if you're a consultant or a strategist or, uh, or someone like that, the ultimate online transaction I call the incoming VIP, the incoming very interested prospect. And that's where the person might book a 25-minute or a 45-minute over-the-phone strategy session or, or even like book an appointment with you because you're a dentist or a chiropractor. But that there is the ultimate online transaction. It's the last step online and uh, it's a transaction so, and it can be measured But the cool thing about a checklist is that if someone completes that checklist and they tell me that they're a cheapskate student, I could probably point them to one ultimate online transaction saying, buy my $97 ebook. And if they complete the checklist and they tell me that they're a a captain of industry turning over hundreds of millions of dollars a year, they might go to another online ultimate online transaction where I charge them $500 for a 45 minute phone consult. But I know that because they've completed the checklist. Now, what happens when someone opts in for your gift? I think you know what's going on here, David, don't you? 
You got a little autoresponder sequence down the bottom there. Little autoresponder sequence down the bottom, which is, of course, is a system. So when someone opts in, these, I think, are the most important three emails you'll ever send. The first one is when they opt in, you've just got to send an, an email, bam, immediately, straight away. Here's the thing that you asked for, and I call it the promise, straight off the bat. Here is a link to that thing that you requested. I put very little else in that email. I don't try and gild the lily. And the reason why is every time I've tried to make that email a little bit more fancy, it's usually backfired. I get very few sort of like, you know, really belligerent, unhappy emails. But the few times I have are usually because I buried the promise somewhere in this email. So I might have tried to tell a story or give them an extra tip or tried to get them to take the next step. And they've replied like, where the hell's that thing you promised me? You promised me that thing. Where is it? So firstly, if you don't send this thing that you, that you promised, that's, that's obviously going to leave a bad taste in a prospect's mouth if you don't send it at all. And if you try and bury it, that's not going to be good either. So I just have a very simple email that says, great. It says something like, hot diggity dog, you totally did it. You trusted me with your email address. So here's that thing we promised. I hope you enjoy it. Awesome. Have a great day. And I think I have a PS that says, oh, by the way, I got some cool extra stuff that I'm going to send you in in, in the next couple of days. If you don't want it, opt out. So it's short and sweet. The second email is called the welcome email. And this might surprise you, but this is the most read email that anyone will ever send. More people read this second email than read the first email. Because the first email, they see it come in and they go, I'll come back to that. And the second one they open because it's usually got an entertaining headline. But the second email tells your story. The welcome email doesn't try and sell anything. It just shares your why, why you do what you do, what you're passionate about, how you got into business in the first place. And the reason why this email is so important is because the number one reason why people opt out of other people's email newsletters is not because they send too many. It's not because of the relevance of the email. The number one reason why people opt out of email newsletters is that they don't remember opting in or they don't care enough about the sender to stick around. They've simply forgotten. They don't care. So this email, you tell your story. It's going to resonate with a whole lot of people, a bunch of people it's not going to resonate, and they're going to go opt out. And that's perfectly cool because those people are not people that you're probably going to form a commercial relationship with anyway. So why bother with them? But the opt-outs are so low. It's so tiny. I mean, like absolutely infinitesimal, like less than a percentage of a percentage, you know? The third email is the offer. And the offer is pretty much re-articulating what we talked about on the ultimate online transaction page. And you might direct someone directly back to that, that offer page, or you might in that email send them directly to a cart page or the coupon download or straight to a, a meeting booking tool like Calendly or Time Trade. And uh, that becomes the third email. Then, of course, I tend to follow it up with uh, a couple more, at least four to get to the conclusion that I want to get. But a little bit earlier, you know, I kind of said that most people spend all their time up here. And I also said that it's going to take at least seven touch points. So I just want you to imagine for a second that I don't know, you offer a gift on social media, check it out, point someone to a landing page. That's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven in as little as two or three days without being obnoxious or <laughs> I don't know, or overwhelming anyone, that's seven touch points in the shortest amount of time possible where you're positioning yourself as an authority, gathering data, 
introducing someone telling your story. And the same applies with all Very this sort of stuff. Very scalable as well, which I like. Oh. I mean, it's, it's all about the scale because you can now tip as many people into the front of that funnel and you're only seeing at them at the point they're taking up the ultimate offer to book you in. And that's, that's when you want to chat with them. Yeah. I mean, like even before I sit up here, you know, people have these home, these websites and they've got this contact us page on their website that does nothing for them. The only person anyone uses the contact us form is usually to complain or to reach out to someone that they already know. And imagine for a second that you like have a light box or a popover responding to someone's headache. You know, people say, I hate light boxes. I hate popovers until that light box or popover responds to exactly the sort of headache well, you know, that they have their headaches, their obstacles, their aspirations, their desires. Same with the emails. So people sending these monthly emails, which I've got to say is not enough. If you send a monthly email, you watch a whole bunch of people opt out and you go, oh, they're opting out. So you reduce the frequency to bi-monthly and then more people opt out. And you go, oh, you freak out. So you introduce, so you make it quarterly. The reason why they're opting out is that they don't know who you are. They've forgotten about you. A month is a long, long time. They've just forgotten what you're about you know, what, what you really stand for, all this, all this stuff, right? So an email has got to be at least fortnightly. And if you're going to send an email fortnightly, set up an autoresponder system. If you know that it takes three months on average for someone to be able to sign up with you, that's uh, three months, fortnightly is six emails, put together seven emails that are going to go to once every fortnight for the next uh, three and a half months, you know? Build that relationship on autopilot, stay top of mind. Ads, once again, you know, I see ads and they've just got the website. Don't run an ad to promote a business, run ads to promote the opt-in gift. This little icon here, I, I've got this guy that came through my training, right? Three years ago, a guy called John, John Anglesos, and he was a bricklayer. And he was a bricklayer and he wanted to change his life. And now he's a consultant, a marketing consultant, earning over a quarter of a million bucks a year and he's 25. But one cool thing he did, and I love it when my students take my training to another level, what he did is he changed up his business card. So on one side, it has his logo. And on the other side, it has a URL, like notsofreakyuniversity.com forward slash I know James, right? Not, you know, there's no phone numbers. There's no nothing. Just notsofreakyuniversity.com forward slash I know James, which, which of course points to a landing page. And, uh, and John, this is a couple of years back, he threw these things out like confetti at networking events. Basically, he'd say, oh, what do you do? What are you struggling with right now? And then they'd tell him. And then he'd say, oh, check this out. There's something on the other side of that URL. And uh, yeah, and he, and he pretty much closed. He basically filled up his funnel for the first six months of the next year. He didn't even bother tell people what he did for a living. He basically said, oh, I think I have a solution to that. Go here. Right? And, you know, once again, social media. Such a simple thing once you have some sort of like, you know, system or funnel. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, done. Um, my system's mind can't help but uh, try and break that down. So it's almost like uh, step one is, right, we need a whole bunch of different traffic sources, which you've identified. Uh-huh. You don't necessarily start at step one, but once you've got gone through all of the steps, then you've got different traffic sources. So that's step one. Then step two is we get them to opt in, which you talked about how to figure out that how-to and, and solving a very specific problem they've got. Once they've opted in for that, the next step, step three, is to have the checklist, which then extracts more data from them, helps you to qualify and sort them potentially so you can even serve up maybe a, a, a relevant offer. Then step four would be to have the ultimate offer, which is some sort of booking, time, trade, 
um, you know, make a time. Well, it depends. It obviously it depends, depends on, on the your business. business. Yeah. Yeah. So when it comes to these ultimate online transactions, there are only four. And it's funny, I meet so many business owners and they say, oh, my business is different. My business is unique. And sure, they're all different. They're all unique. But at the end of the day, if we're talking about marketing, online marketing, there's, they're going to want one of four. And it comes down to an e-commerce transaction. Tappity, 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 tap. That's the yep. end goal. Cha-ching. An incoming VIP. Someone books a meeting using time trade or some booking tool. Incoming, very interested prospect. And the great thing about those tools is people are like booking time with you. You're not like trying to book time with them. They're booking time with you. Third one, if you're running retail or hospitality, coupon download. Last yep. one is um, a bit of a rare one, and that's called the outgoing click. And the outgoing click is uh, in affiliate marketing spaces or if you've got a cross-subsidy model. Like one of my businesses, Antil Magazine, is a media company. I get paid when people leave my website which people find yep. weird, but, you know, I track the traffic, they hit someone else's ad and they leave, you know, or an affiliate might send out an email saying, check out this person's uh, offer and they make money when someone else goes away or like a referral site. So there really only are four. In terms of systems, um, there are only four. So what, one of them would be go, the, um, which one shall I focus on first? E-commerce, yep. incoming VIP, coupon, or out, go and click. Uh-huh. And then mm. the final step then would be the step four then, which is then when your autoresponder kicks in and then you've got a couple of message sequences under those and then potentially something to continue to warm and, and bond them and continue to put that offer back in front of them if they haven't yet taken that step. Like that feels like you're going to get significantly more value out of the traffic that you're driving to those pages, which means then you can start to potentially even pay more to get traffic to those pages because you can outspend your competitor because you're, you're giving yourself a better chance of conversion. And not just that, one of my students, this guy, uh, Ben Cusack, he went through the process and he set it all up. So he's got this, he's got his own checklist, his own survey, and people come out the back end. And I spent a lot of time talking about this uh, when I talk about checklists and surveys are scaredy cat clients. There are people that you just don't want a part of. You just don't want the, you just don't want to, you know, they're the wrong type of person for you. And it's not that they're like necessarily always scaredy cat clients. There's a lack of trust in the situation that you're in with them. And it's probably because they're too early or they don't have enough money or they're not educated enough or whatever it's going to be. There's all these people People spend a lot of time trying to close the wrong type of people, which is why checklists are so great because you can, you can add questions to isolate red flag types, people who are going to not be right for you. And Ben, when someone hits one of those red flag questions, it comes out the end and we talked about the outgoing click. They pop out the end and he basically says, would you like this other thing? And he basically just sends them off to one of his competitors. A compl- what do they yeah. call them? A, a complementary non-competitive competitor even though it's a competitor they're both working in slightly different spaces with slightly different target audiences and he sends them down that path and he's making money from if you want to sort the wheat from the chaff he's making yep. money from the wheat and he's making money from the chaff yeah but what was what was that egg in, in charlie in the chocolate factory there's these bad eggs veruca salt goes down the chute with the bad eggs or whatever it was <laughs> In the TV show, in the movie, I think it was a squirrel with a bad nut or something. You know, he's even making money from bad eggs and the bad nuts. The king of the metaphor. I love it. (laughs) Very good. Look, I I think that, yeah, you explained incredibly well. We'll include, obviously, the notes that we'll put together along with the graphic as well. If people want to see it in action, 
I know we talked about it beforehand. You even mentioned the URL, the not so freaky university.com forward slash I know James, that maybe you can tell us a little bit more about what that is, because that's probably the next step if people <laughs> want to follow the rabbit hole with you. Yeah, so that's kind of like an evergreen page that I have, you know, notsofreakyuniversity.com forward slash I know James, because we now know each other, you know, like we're like, we're like besties now, you know, we're like this, you know, I know James. And I usually put something there that's going to be super relevant for now. So super relevant for the, for the, for the right here and now. And that means that if you watch this in six months time or you're, or you're watching it tomorrow, that basically means that there'll be something there that will be useful and it will be timely rather than one specific thing which might go out of fashion or might go out of, out of vogue. So I remember, you know, about two years ago, everyone was asking me about Pinterest. Pinterest this, Pinterest that. No, no one gives a damn about Pinterest anymore. But <laughs> it seems to be that there might be, but there'll, but there'll be something there. But I also just want to make sure that, you know, we talk about systems and we talk about steps. And one of the biggest challenges that people have with anything is that they just don't know where to start. So they just don't get started, you know, at all. And that's, you know, you know, we get caught up with our own fears or maybe there's the fogginess of uncertainty. So the inertia kicks in. If you want a really simple step to get started with all that sort of stuff, is that the very first step that I do in my training is to help people identify the headache of the target audience before they know they need you. Because if you can figure that stuff out, the opt-in gift is going to suddenly, you know, it's going to elevate mm. you in the perception of the people that you, are, that you want to get into your database. But it's also going to create this sort of like this impulse reaction and it's interesting, you know, it's, it's like buying a cherry ripe or a Mars bar at the checkout at, at the supermarket and you get home and you go, I can't remember buying this cherry ripe. It's an impulse reaction. You just go, ooh, and, they, and, uh, and grab it. And if you've captured that headache of your target audience before they know they need you, it's going to have that impulse reaction. And that's why also that follow-up email sequence is so important because sometimes they don't even remember that they opted in. Because it is just such a, I saw this thing on LinkedIn or I saw this thing on Facebook. I'm just going to go and I'm going to grab it right now. And of course, the step before that is having complete clarity about your target audience. And I think we've got about four or five minutes left. Do you mind, David, if I help people with a little trick on how to yeah, identify their, their, their target audience? Yep. It's a system, it's a process, it's a recipe. I call it the doctor on the plane test because I talk to people and I say, who's your target audience? And they say, women aged between 18 and 65. And I think, yeah. and yeah. I think, <laughs> so half who the adult not, population. Yeah, that's right. Who is not <laughs> would be a smaller number. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, but there's even people that say, you know, I say, I meet a web developer. Who's your target audience? Anyone who needs a website. Or they say a small business owner. Most people I, I know never go narrow enough, but when we're talking about systems and processes, and I didn't even really tackle the top but of, of that funnel, but if you're going to spend money on SEO or SEM or Facebook ads or whatever, you need to have this clarity about your target audience because in the golden days, in the olden days, it was cheap to go mainstream. That was the cheapest option. To go mainstream, cast your net wide, that was the cheap option. Because an industry magazine would be how you'd go niche or something and that would be expensive. It's just totally flipped. 
which means that if you want to go niche these days or narrow, that's where the cheap stuff is. That's where the, someone just came in to say hello. That's where the cheap leads are because you'll get a higher conversion, which means that you'll be rewarded by Facebook or Google and you'll get the cheaper, you'll get the cheaper leads. So the little test that I like to offer people for a target audience, it's called the doctor on the plane test. If you jump on a plane and you say, is there a doctor on the plane? Two people will stand up, maybe three, and the doctor of philosophy will know not to stand up. The doctor of interior design or something will know not to stand up, but the two or three doctors will stand up. But if you get up on the plane and you say, is anyone on the plane have a passionate about health and fitness, which is what I, you know, mm. who's your target audience? People who are passionate about mindfulness. And I say that, and if you said that, people will look at each other and they'll go, is he talking to you? Is he talking to me? I don't know. I don't know. So the doctor on the plane test, if, if you can say, is there, is there any women on the plane that have had a, a baby in the last three years? You know, 10 people will stand up because they know exactly who they are and everybody else will go, that's not me. The doctor on the plane test. And the other reason, so because if you can name them, you can find them. But the other reason why this is so, so popular, such a good tactic to do when we go back to my diagram and the opt-in gift and high converting landing pages, if I turn around and basically name you, so if I say, David's walking through a busy mall and I go, yeah. David, or, no. I, I, or I could say, yeah. you, <laughs> hey, <laughs> and no one turns around. Or I say, David, and David turns around. I will have his undivided attention. So the doctor on the plane test is as narrowing your target audience down so you can say, is there anyone on this plane that meets this description? And a bunch of people stand up and everybody else go, because they know with certainty and no one else stands up. And if you can do that, you can immediately say, right, if these women have had children in the last three years, what are some of the things that keep them awake at night? Aside from kids keeping them awake at night, what are the headaches that keep them awake at night? Whereas the inverse is when someone says my target audience is women aged 18 to 65, I got to tell you, the things that keep up an 18-year-old woman are vastly different to the things that keep up a 65-year-old woman. And the women in the middle, it's different once again. So that's where I would begin. If you're going to have a system, that's, that's where I would begin. Which is funny. It's Marketing 101. People have heard it so many times before, yet most of them haven't got something like that in place. You just have to keep hearing it until it clicks. Yeah. So we we covered some awesome stuff. And if people want to follow a little bit more to to find, uh, you know, if your session clicked with them, they can head to the notsofreakyuniversity.com forward slash I know James. I'll put the link underneath so if people can uh, yeah, follow that. Just wanted to say, James, very much appreciate your time. Thank you for being extremely generous. And I know very excited. This might just give a, a little pre-announcement. James and I may be looking at running another virtual summit a little bit later this year. So we were talking about taking the systems and processes we put into place. Yes, so keep an eye out for that. No doubt there'll be a notification over at the uh, not so freaky uh, university.com forward slash I know James. So there we go. <laughs> <laughs> and thank Very you, David, good. for putting this thing together. I mean, like I'm obsessed with systems. Yeah, you can't run a business without systems. You, you, can't, you can't do it. It just becomes a time-sapping, draining, I don't, I don't know, an expensive hobby, really. I, I don't even know what you'd call it because it's not a business. If you can't work away, it's not a business. I don't know. It's just a chain around your wrists or in some cases a noose around your neck. 
If you don't have the systems, you can't escape. So thank you, David, for putting on this show. Oh, my pleasure. Fantastic. All right, guys. And James, we'll talk to you soon. You've just been listening to the System Hub Podcast. Remember, we've documented this system for you so you can literally swipe and deploy it within your business. Head to www.systemhub.com forward slash podcast to download it now. (laughs) 